Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And welcome to T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. The most fun you'll ever listen to while you're folding your clothes. Now let's get this straight. This is not your average podcast. T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio is super fun, super crazy. It's pretty much an in-your-face conversation. That's the good thing about us. We don't do interviews. We do conversations. All of my guests, all of my co-hosts, we chill. We drink, we play games, we have the song of the week, we have the creative curse word of the week. As long as you're having fun as our guest. Speaking of guests, each week I'm going to go through my whole contact list and dive head first into the world of music, gaming, exotic cars, tech, strippers probably, doctors probably, probably strippers that are only stripping so they can pay for tuition to become a doctor. You never know. My wife is a certified bartender. She'll make you a drink while you're here. We'll get you drunk and make you play VR after. It's a lot going on, but that's what it's all about over here at T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. See you soon, baby! Well, what do we get into in this episode? Oh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, some of the Bringer Trailer auctions that we've seen and uh, uh, kind of a love affair with the Lotus Esprit, a car that deserves more attention. You guys uh, owe me on that one because I think (laughs) I got a good investment for you. John Hennessy uh, is going to share some of his breaking news and some of the stuff they're up to. And first, there's Rock Auto rockauto.com why spend 30 to 50 percent even a hundred percent more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have why spend so much there why not go to rockauto.com it's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers everything from Engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Write Corolla in the How Did You Hear About Us? So that is Corolla, C-A-R-O-L-L-A, in the How Did You Hear About Us box. So they know we sent you an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Get on the church, big gentlemen, to get it on. And welcome to CarCast. I'm Adam Carroll. That's the moderator, Matt DeAndrea. Hello. Over there, John Hennessy is going to join us at some point uh, today. You know, John started uh, his claim to fame was starting off with those Vipers, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. Um, Vipers were kind of a, in the collector world, kind of a joker car for. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the rap on the Viker, Viker, Viper was, um, yeah, it's got a truck engine in it, and it's fit and finish wasn't uh, what what it could have been, and right. so on and so forth. Uh, you hop on, bring a trailer now. You see some of those Vipers, you know, 2013 GT, whatever, 175 grand. Yeah. Like, now, they, they got a lot more power over the years, and they got a lot more impressive and a lot faster over the years. But I drove the first gen, the very first Vipers. Those With were the really cool rims. Yeah, those were <laughs> those were like hand built cars because they mm-hmm. were. 
I, I forgot the company was kind of outsourced. Honestly, I think even Steve Celine might have been involved, but uh, I, I, it, I was just nervous driving. It just felt like it was going to fall apart and nothing fit well. And it's f- funny is in in Venice where I live, there's a guy that that drives one like every day. It's the rattiest Viper you've ever seen. the The lights are just all yellowed out. the 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 giant clamshell hood is like tilted sideways, mm-hmm. and the dude just drives it. I mean, really, just puts miles. It's got the shitty little soft out like the toupee mm-hmm. on it. It's well, just it's, beat. It's probably. <laughs> I mean, it's probably a pretty bulletproof engine. I, that's what I'm, I think it is. He just drives it all the time. And you know it's 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 kind of like a truck sports car. I mm-hmm. mean, in terms of upkeep and maintenance and durability and stuff. It, but uh, I mean, it's a little more in a truck. But in in a way, it's kind of it's it's about as trucky as a sports car as you're ever going to get. I mean, you think about what they were going after with the Cobra, kind of you know, like oh, can we just put a big engine in a tiny-ish kind of roadster car? Mm-hmm. You know, a la. Carol Shelby and see what Did happens. Those things start off with an independent rear. I mean, we can you know, ask John Hennessy. Yeah, that's a good question. We should know. ask Hennessy. But uh, what do you think the first in? So I know. So what happened to Vipers is they got better looking. They did a little bit of a double bubble type roof. They got a yeah. little sleeker. They put a little ducktail on the rear, and they just started to morph into something that looked a little more like a sports car, and. Then they, then they got a little, you know, the price kind of went up, um, and so some of the iterations are pretty damn expensive now. I mean, probably yeah. knocking on the door of two hundred grand. But I wonder what the first gen is going for. Yeah, that's a good. Did those question. pop and, up too? It was interesting because I, if I remember, so you it was, probably could get those things for twenty five, thirty grand all day long a few years ago. I would think so. I, I would think so. I, but what do you do with it? Like, does it? <laughs> you can't ask that question as a car guy because every single. I mean, look, we a, just saw every, a Grand National GNX with no miles on itself for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you're like, it's got two hundred. I don't know, fifty eight miles on. It. What do you do with it? Like, you, it's a collector car. It's a collector. You can't. Yeah, let's see. You could say that about every that single first gen, car I own, probably. That first gen. Viper, though, I mean, 400 horsepower sounded like a lot at the time, but you're like iron block. Yeah. You know, it's just like a very heavy. Gobs of torque, maybe iron heads. I don't know. That I don't remember. I'd be unhappy if it did have iron heads. But I think over the years, it switched to aluminum block and picked up about 200, 250 horsepower along the way. And now it turned it into... One of the fastest cars around, you know, Laguna Seca. Yeah, I'm wondering, uh, Max Pata, did the first gen Viper did they have a um, independent and- rear axle, and were the heads iron? And I, I guess it must have been an injected car for sure. Yeah, by then. well, we could ask Hennessy a few of these things as, as well. Yeah, uh. so uh, there's that. I, I also saw. I I didn't see the final price on it, but I saw a new NSX, the the one you drove, the one we've seen in Monterey, the mm-hmm. one that they were having a little trouble getting off the showroom floor. Yeah, I think I saw a new one up there for 150 and change, maybe with a, a couple days left or something like yeah. that. I was kind of surprised by that. Do you recall if it had any miles on it? 
<laughs> I don't know this new trend. And by the way, because I don't know, know they like do, you- they do this new trend thing where they're like, look, if you have a BMW five series and you know, from 2001 and it has 9,000 miles on it, by all means, print it. You know, but when you're starting to get into, you know, it's a Ford GT with 9,000 miles. Yeah, it's that's about right. Mm-hmm. It's not a commuter car. I'm somehow, I'm I'm always surprised it has 9,000 miles on it. Like yeah. somebody drove that car a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not 157 miles is one thing. But once you get past 5,000 miles on a very exotic two-seat car, I'm not, you know, if if a if a Lamborghini Diablo has twelve thousand miles on it, I'm I'm not surprised. It's it's not a very drivable car. It's not something <laughs> right. you could use very often. I mean, I, I and it's not that person's main car. Usually, it would be right. a little weird, but it, yeah. it would be a little bit weird. Um, so uh, we'll see if we can find. See if you can find with that. There's a new NSX that's on Bring a Trailer. I just sort of scanned past it, but it was uh, it was uh, it was up there. Uh, Mura sold at the Silverstone auction a few days mm-hmm. ago for two point four and some change, which is crazy. It's interesting that the P's. So the Mura pecking order was P's were the cheapest. You know when a P was. Mm-hmm. I'll do some loose math here, but when a P was a hundred grand, an S was like a hundred and fifty grand, and a SV was like two fifty or something like that. Lately, the P's, the first generation, nineteen sixty seven, this car, uh, the P's have gone more for more than the S's. Yeah, recently. Now, part of you is like, all right, well, that's the first Mira, but the S's were always considered better. Yeah. More refined. And they're always more. So they're why? always more. The last few yeah. that have sold, the S has gone for quite a bit cheaper than the P. And, and now and, at two point four. And we've Jesus seen a Christ. lot of a lot of cars that when they change, you know, like the big brother and the little brother, they move up and down the scale kind of accordingly. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, like we just saw the Ferrari three hundred thirty GTC, which is the two seater on mm-hmm. Bring a Trailer, mm-hmm. right? But the two plus two was always a little less, and mm-hmm. it never gets <clears throat> above the GTC. Right. But what you're talking about is kind of the little brother almost going above the bigger brother at the time. By the way, this NSX is is one day left. It's sitting at one hundred and forty eight thousand dollars with twenty six hundred miles. That's good money yeah. for a car that they probably you know that that's but it's yellow, so don't buy it. All right, but here's <laughs> here's the thing. Whether we're talking about the Viper or whether we're talking about the Spiker or whatever it is, or, or the latest, um, and there's there's always examples of this, but uh, the latest um, NSX, there's certain cars that don't really capture the imagination of people. They mm. don't sell that well. They're not considered, doesn't seem like a, a good investment car. It's the kind of car you might buy for 170 and it's worth a buck 50 a year and a year later yeah. or whatever buck 45 but it doesn't mean it's not a good car and it doesn't mean the market's not going to correct again like the yeah. viper or the spiker those were considered kind of junk investments several years ago now you seem pretty smart to have invested in one of those cars and, but those i think for you and i and obviously for people that are giving them attention now 
they seem more obvious to me, right? They were cool looking cars. They're very kind of mechanical looking on the inside and the, you know, the Audi engine and, you know, like, I don't know why it didn't get attention back then. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's trends and some of them are for valid reasons and others are just markets speaking for one reason or another. And, you know, I was always that way with the uh, with the Miura. So I was like, this is a supercar, this incredible car. It's the most beautiful car ever made. Like, it's expensive, but why isn't it more expensive? Yeah. Was always kind of my my take. And goddamn, they popped, man. Yeah. In the last <laughs> three, two, three years, or yeah. really like the last year, just really. Because people, people caught on. Uh, 92 Viper sold for 135K. Independent yeah. Uh, yeah. suspension. Independent suspension. That's what I would have, have guessed. But I thought the the Gen One Vipers, I mean, were cheap for a while, and then started to started to climb. People were just starting to find the next thing. Now, keep in mind that, like in the collector car world, a hundred hundred thirty grand is still somewhat considered affordable, mm-hmm. right? So you do pick up like those fifty sixty thousand dollar cars that have been floating around that range. And do they start to pop up to that 130 range? And you're like, this is this is a future collectible. You know, car. You know, the other cars that are starting to kind of move. That I've always there's a couple of cars that were in the 30 range that I've always said that's a that's a cool car. It's a lot of car if you can get. It. I always said the 928s. Like, yeah, they were weird and whatever, but they're starting to move now. And uh, I'll I'll tell you a car that never has really moved but is still a nice piece kind of in the realm of your uh, xj220 jag which mm-hmm. is like oh, it's a lot of car why isn't it more you know they're, they're they're creeping up but there's you know those cars there's a five hundred thousand dollar ceiling and they just can't get through it you know they always sell for you know 440 or something something like that but the Lotus, mm-hmm. the uh, Lotus, um, sorry, what I want to say? The Esprit? The Esprit, I was thinking at least. Yeah, the Lotus Esprit. Mm-hmm. They put a V8 in those cars at some point. Yeah. they. It's a small, I think it's a 3.5. I think they put a twin turbo on it. Yeah. It, it's a good looking car. It's got a little James Bond history. Mm-hmm. Um, the first gen, I guess. As they evolve, they got kind of good looking. They're a little NSX-y. The, the last few years, it had like a center exhaust, like a dual center exhaust, and the dash wasn't quite quite as flat. They did some, you know, more of a you know, sort of a curved, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hood over the gauges, and and yeah, it, it has. It still has like a cool kind of supercar feel to it. Those last iterations, those modern ones. Right of the of the Esprit, I I, I like them. I, they they look good. Yeah, I you know I don't know how well they work, but um, a little piece of trivia just from my way way back past, as I used to, you know, go to the Seven Eleven and thumb through Motor Trend or Car and Driver, but I couldn't even f- fuck uh, affording the car. I couldn't afford the magazine with the picture of the car on. <laughs> I'd always read the magazine and stand there put the and, magazine back yeah. and, and walk away. I think the Lotus Esprit was one of the quickest zero to 60 cars around. Actually, one of the quickest zero to 60 cars was the uh, 
Porsche 944 Turbo, I remember too. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but I think the Lotus Esprit was, you know, it didn't top out at 180 miles an hour, but it was light. And if it worked, you could throw some revs in it, and the zero to sixty time was was quick. It's it it. Look, you're you're not going to drive it anyway, so yeah. it doesn't really need to work that well. It it you know when you pull up to the cars and coffee, it's just kind of a cooler piece than the. It's the still 80s a rare vet. thing to see. It's, it's it's rare. Yeah, you can find some really clean ones because no one really drove them that much, and I still think they're like thirty or forty grand. Like they were the, the, the later what? V8s might be going up. There, yes. there are a lot of Esprits because it was around for a while that are still pretty cheap. I like the V8, the last gen ones that you're talking about, but also the other money one is the S4S. Mm-hmm. Right. That was kind of a little bit turned up. You know, the wick was turned up a little bit more on the tiny engine. It still had kind of the flat dash and stuff that I, that I remember kind of the square thing going on, but it was a hotter version of of the little engine, and so I think those were starting to move. Yeah. See, first off, when's the last year they made them? Ninety five, ninety four, something, or what? Uh, trying to think of when a, they. That's a good question. When they I, made them I, last, it feels like it could even be later than that. Um, like what is uh, 04 Was the last year? What is uh, what are those things going for on Bring a Trailer now? But. Um, yeah, I guess they had a twin turbo V8. I, you know, they're pretty high revving and they look pretty good. And um, let's see if we can see what some of those things are going for on Bring a Trailer. So okay. Lotus Esprit. Um, let's see. We've got a 94 Esprit. That's the S4. Mm-hmm. That's that's the uh, that's thirty five thousand. But we need the later. There's a uh, there's an O2 that went for seventy five I think if I can read that right. Um, here's, here's an O3 with twenty five thousand miles sold for fifty six thousand six hundred. It's still look uh, that car's stickered for more than that. I mean, they, you know, they're still in the forty fifty range. The first gens or the older ones are in the thirty twenty you know yeah range forties. I, I, there's a lot of them that are just in the in the 30s, in the 40s. Um, that's a pretty. First off, it ha, it's a little bit of a supercar. I don't know if I quite call it a supercar, but it's it's a supercar. It has to, the to look. An extent. It has the yeah. look. Like the the first NSX, not the fastest car in the world, but still gets t- attention. It's, it's, looks. It's, it's mid-engine. It's a two-seater. It's sleek. And it's it it's exotic for sure. You're not going to see too many guys in your block with a Lotus, and it's it. And I don't want to say it worked because I've never driven one, but I will say if you got thirty five to fifty grand laying around and you're looking for a fun second car and you want a kind of conversation piece and. You don't want to pull up to cars and coffee with something that everyone else is driving. And again, you if you got forty five, fifty grand to spend, you're gonna mm-hmm. get a really nice example of a Lotus Esprit. Uh, but you're right. I have no idea on the quality, the reliability, any issues. Is it like, you know, one of these I, oh probably, you gotta do a timing belt and you gotta take the whole back half of the car? I'm apart sure it's and, all shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be shit. I mean, there's a reason why they just never yeah. popped. But 
But the later ones, when I talked about the interior being, mm-hmm. you know, has like a nor- it has the giant airbag, but like normal gauge cluster, kind of a roundish, yeah, kind of thing. Like it looked fairly modern. You know, I drove, I drove for a little bit the 1990, 91 Lotus Elan convertible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. little red one, and uh, then over at. Uh, those are fiberglass, right? Yeah, the little Isuzu engine, the front-wheel drive, but mm-hmm. a lot of torque steer. You'd hit the gas, and the thing wanted to dart off to the side. It was just mm-hmm. crazy. I was like, what's going on? Like, Isn't there some sort of like diff or something you can put in this thing to make it go straight? Maybe in the aftermarket there is, but I was just at uh, the like the grand opening of the new um, uh, Galpin Land Rover Jaguar, and mm-hmm. they have a Galpin – Lotus dealer in there as well. Mm-hmm. So he moved out all the Land Rovers and part in a bunch of Lotus vehicles, and they had the uh, Amira and a couple of vehicles. And sure enough, up on the second floor is this red Elan convertible from the 90s. And I see Bo, and I was like, I used to have one of these too. And I go, this is about the most fun you can spend on fifteen dollars to $19,000. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what it, what it was in there, right in that range, in that fifteen dollars to nineteen range. I go... You probably just pop, picked it up and haven't even driven it or even even seen it until tonight. He's like, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of horsepower those Lotuses had at the end of their run, but it those V eights. I felt V8s, like they were like three fifty. It was three fifty, okay. I think, for the first turboed V eights. Again, you said three point five liter, and you're right. Twin turbo, three point five liter. 350 horse, 295 pound-feet of torque. You're getting 100 horsepower leader, which was pretty impressive for back in the day. Uh, and also, you know, we're all snobs now, but 350 horsepower in a small car with two seats was considered a lot back back in the day. And I still think they're cool pieces. They certainly look, you know, get one in British racing green, you know, get a cool color combo. That's a good collector car. Look, people, I, I know what's going to pop. I always <laughs> tell you what's going to pop. I bought, you know, when I bought my, uh, I bought a Mira S. Remember, I was going out to buy a blender. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I just passed by Franco's and saw it in the driveway. Uh, Motor Trend back Three, in the 90s. By the way, like 320 grand. Jesus Christ. I want to say like 96 or something is when that V8 came out, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It, and I think Motor Trend had it tested at like zero to sixty in four point four. Now look, everybody! I know everyone's spoiled because of Teslas and, and <laughs> yeah, all that all shit now. Cars. But four, four, four in the nineties. Yeah, that's fucking quick. I mean, it's it's quick now, but four four in the nineties. Yeah. Faster than any vet they were making, uh, I would say faster than any Ferrari, you know, zero to 60 at the time, probably, uh, probably faster than the Porsches, save the 959 or maybe uh, the turbo, but maybe not even a turbo. Right. I mean, you're in the sub four five in the mid-ish 90s. That those are real numbers. That is a. That's probably what? one of the quickest cars uh, manufactured. And what would you guess time. was the price? In uh, 1996? 96, yeah. $57,000. Actually, 78950 wow. is the base price. This one, as tested, was 81000 That's big money. 
All right, everybody. That's what you heard it here first. Yeah. You half the cost right now, you can go out and half the cost of MSRP. And I agree with you, that car will appreciate to at least its original MSRP. MSRP of You'll double your money on that. Of, you know, eighties in the nineties. Now, now, you mentioned 928. When 928 came out, that was a really expensive car, and it had a very incredibly high top end. It was like 189 or 180-something. This car, by the way, 174, 175 top speed, 016 4.4 at $80,000. This is an expensive car. This is a supercar in the day. It was definitely more than you would spend in the day for a turbo 911 Certainly, you could buy three and a half Corvettes for that for that money back then. Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like these. I numbers. do too. Well, now we're going to get on a forum someplace and we're gonna be like, "This is the worst car on the planet to buy." <laughs> it's like it's the most unreliable hunk of shit on the planet. And we're like, ah, but it looks good. <laughs> I'm sure it's an unreliable hunk of shit. That's not my <laughs> argument. My argument is it looks good. Yeah. Uh, it's a car that you're going to get for half the sticker price. And when you pull to the Cars and Coffee, there's not going to be another one there. Mm-hmm. That's what I got to say. Yeah. And, you know, it's Lotus. I mean, they have a pretty storied racing career. Um, they've done, you know, they've done a lot in F1 and they've, they've done a lot in the, the, the racing world. And I just say... Um, I, you know, I don't want to give you guys, idea, you know, tell you a bunch of, you know, the, the Ferrari 330 we're talking about, which went up to a million bucks and then dropped down to five, and it's now starting to creep its way back up. Uh, I would tell you to buy that car. That car's going to creep back up, but most people don't have 500 grand laying around. Right. But a lot of people listening might have $37,000 they're thinking about doing something with. D- do it. Do it with a Lotus. Yeah, actually, right. that that car sold on Bring a Trailer for five ninety eight, and somebody actually put up a pretty funny comment that said, "They're like, oh, you could at least you could tell your wife it was in the fives. <laughs> <laughs> How much was it? Ah, I told you it was going to be in the fives, honey. It was in the fives. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I was telling Matt <laughs> off the air. You know, tr- look around and look for sort of comps, mm-hmm. even if they're not comps." You look at the Toyota 2000 we've been talking about, uh, popped up to a million, dropped down to five, sat at five. Now they're up at 850, 875. Yeah. Okay. This car during the Ferrari, during the same time period, not like, oh, this is from 1960s that did this. So like literally during the same, they both went up to a million bucks, the Toyota and the 330 mm-hmm. Ferrari. They both dropped down to five. The Toyota very recently popped up to eight and change. Yeah. The Ferrari is now climbing to six. You get that car at six, it will catch the Toyota at 850 very yeah. shortly. Yeah. All right, take care of your business. Uh, whether you own your home or rent your home, it can be quite a bit of work. But you know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. All right. So uh, John Hennessy's going to join us uh, very soon. Yeah. There's a little update on your your aviator, right? Mm -hmm. Your Lincoln aviator, which I think is a really sharp-looking SUV. 
And uh, Lincoln's come out with this uh, jet package, which they which they call the jet package. It's a monochromatic reserve package. It's a high gloss black elements replace all of the chrome, gives it a kind of a tougher look, but. The lines on that thing are kind of elegant, so it gives it this tougher kind of elegant look. You can get it in black, silver, or burgundy, or white. Mm, burgundy might be kind of cool. And with all car. the blacked out trim and stuff on it, it's actually, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, it looks it looks good. It's a nice little update for the car. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying mine. I've been plugging it in every night. Finally got that figured out. Been using my Tesla adapter. And plugging it into the Tesla cord at my house. Yeah. It's been working nicely. And uh, again, it's just a way to s- stretch your tank out from fill it up once a week to fill it up every 10 days, basically. So, but it, it's a nice kind of range extender. Yeah. I had a question about that. Um, Hennessy just texted me and said he's waiting in the wings there. Uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not seeing him. Okay. We'll see if you can get a hold of him is he zooming in yeah yeah hmm all right um i was talking to goldberg uh and he said hey what if you took that little adapter plug to a supercharging station on the way to vegas could you roll up in your in your lincoln and or your mach e or whatever and top it off and i said i don't think so chances are the tesla superchargers Talk to the car and get like a VIN to make sure you're a Tesla, right? Mm. So your your plug, your adapter works at your home charger, your uh-huh. Tesla charger because, you know, who cares? But I think they're trying to avoid hacking the Tesla supercharger. There must be some verification that it's a Tesla because otherwise, why haven't we figured this out? Why isn't there just a line of EVs that aren't Teslas and everybody's just got that you know 18-inch pigtail mm-hmm. in their trunk going, I'm just going to go to every Tesla supercharger station. So my guess is you can't do it. They figured, Tesla's figured out you can't do it. That's interesting. So I would have... But I, I don't I don't think digitally, I think mechanically, you know, I would have thought, yeah, just plug it in, get the adapter, plug it in. That is interesting. I wonder, Chris, if we can figure that one out, if the uh, – or Ryan, if the Tesla supercharging station speaks to your car and needs a Tesla in order to do it, that it's beyond just using the adapter and getting it to physically fit. It talks to your car. Interesting. So Hennessy is waiting, but we don't know where. Just yeah, just um, yet. I'm not. He's not. I don't see him entering the the Zoom at all. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. You're gonna uh, text him. I'm trying to, but you know we're obviously in here, so I'm gonna send Chris his the, number. So see, uh, Ryan, see if the Tesla can you can charge another car. So you can't use the supercharger. I, I just looked that up really quickly. I didn't look up like the technology, mm-hmm. like if it verifies mm-hmm. something. You can't with an adapter. You can't with an adapter. Oh, okay. So it's, it's it goes further than the. Um, but now we're into some sort of Orwellian thing. Yeah, I, where they they know who you are, they know what what you're doing, where a lot you of that. are. What I what I pretty uh, soon, by the way, they're going to be cases. You know, when Mark Garagos did uh, Scott Peterson's case way back in the day, they were they wanted records to try to triangulate the cell phone, and like they wouldn't give them the triangulation. Yeah, yeah. But 
it's going to be some record where some guy's accused of murder, but his car was in um, Reno and it was at a fast charging place. Yeah. And the car was, we have the time date stamp and everything on I mean, when it was plugged in. All the in. cars are being tracked now anyway, because most of these cars have over the air updates and stuff. And interesting, because we had this conversation with Alistair from Edmonds, because he does these long range testing on the EVs. Mm-hmm. And the Tesla didn't come in at the numbers that it was promise and tesla got very upset about this result so they said they were going to be fair and redo the test with a bunch of different cars and tesla hit them up several times and said give us the vin number of their car you're using Mm -hmm. and they said no we don't want you to do anything over the air to that Mm -hmm. car Mm -hmm. so they independently tested they and tesla was very adamant about trying to get a hold of that car or know what that car was and uh it was interesting because Edmund buys a lot of their cars. So mm-hmm. they, they buy the cars, they do the long-term tests, and Tesla and the car companies can figure out which one. So they had to go to another like customer or employee and go, we need, we need to just borrow your Tesla. So nobody knows which car we're using, or specifically Tesla mm-hmm. doesn't know which car we're using. But yeah, that was that was the fear was Well, the 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 real scary part is don't commit murder if you have an EV. <laughs> no, it's, it's the fucking government because yeah, of course. Of they're course. already, I think the Democrats are floating, you know, uh, charges per mile, you know, like who's who's driving the most. We got to charge them. You know, there's certain things about uh, driving drunk. There's there's a bunch of stuff that's in the infrastructure stuff. And I don't know how much of it got clipped or made it through, but mm-hmm. there was definitely some thoughts about charging you. Look, here, here's the thing about the government. They don't get information and then just sit on it. They get it and they use it. And yeah. the way they use yeah. it is to get more money from you. So if they can ascertain who's driving X amount of miles uh, a year, they don't just go, oh, that's I- interesting information. They go, hmm, what can we do with that information? Yeah. How are we going to make money off that or, information? So yeah. we'll take that information and we'll go, all right, but if you drive more than 10,000 miles a year, we're going to – and then they have to reverse engineer the sort of motives. Like, well, you're putting wear and tear on the roads, you know. Why shouldn't you yeah. pay more? Yeah. And then, of course, the fucking AOCs of the world are all for – people that are driving a lot and at the end it's the poor mexican gardener that gets hit in the nuts with it because he has to drive the most i mean look i mean the government's doing a version of that now saying um you know if you're in an accident or something happens to you we need to access your phone or if you defraud the government we need to be access access your phone so now they're going to apple and google and saying we need everyone's biometrics everybody's face scanning on the phone right right and apple's like what i know you're you're out of your mind i'm not going to hand over all of that stuff and they're going yeah but what if you don't pay your taxes we need to find her like that's what you're going to use it for (laughs) yeah well that's where it starts so i just read a couple articles from august and september that apparently musk has been hinting that he's going to be releasing some sort of adapter for non-teslas to use Mm -hmm. but and he says a business model yes that makes sense i will sell you a subscription Right. right, he'll say, "Hey, you can use my Tesla chargers. You can buy the expensive what, adapter." What, is it, yeah, so it would physically there's an adapter, but then there's a digital part of this that you need to some code you punch in or some fob that's well, on your car. You would buy probably the Tesla adapter that might have some sort of code or something in embedded it. in it, mm-hmm. and you subscribe to it. You get the cable, I don't know, for free, and you got to pay you know x amount of money per month to use that cable. 
Well, that's look. what I'm guessing. I mean, everything's subscription now, right? Everyone's right. streaming all this content everywhere. Right. You know, why Why wouldn't he do that? He would. <laughs> and I'm sure he is. Yeah. All right. So we're not sure what happened to Hennessy. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. But I will tell you guys about uh, Trico over a century ago. That's right. It's been over 100 years now. Trico is the first to make wiper blades. I wonder what they used before wipers. Well, they probably didn't have windshield wipers. They've been a step ahead of Mother Nature ever since. Trico engineers study specific driving conditions. So uh, you're ready for anything when you're out there on that open road. We're getting into the winter here. Well, we are in the winter, people. You need a new set of blades. It's a, it's a safety thing. Now, they maintain, I should say the Trico wipers, maintain maximum windshield contact, no matter what your driving habits You'll always find the right wiper blade for your vehicle. Um, I got them on my car. Uh, Bald Brian's uncle's a mechanic. And way before Trico came on as a sponsor here, he was like, you got to get the Trico wiper blades. By the way, they're the future of wipers since 1917. Find a store near you and the latest offers. Visit TricoCatsAndDogs.com. That is TricoCatsAndDogs.com. Well, I don't know what's... Oh, there's uh, John. Okay. Now we got Hennessy. Can you hear us, John? We'll uh, unmute or something. He'll hit his computer. There you go. Hey, John. How are you, man? Great. Great to be with you guys. I wish I could be with you in person, but I guess Zoom will work. It'll (laughs) It'll work. Any port in a storm. Uh, HennessyPerformance.com is where you go. Um, if you want to know anything about uh, Hennessy performance, what what's uh, the latest and greatest from Hennessy, John? Well, we got a lot of cool stuff. We dropped some news yesterday that I think shocked a lot of people. We announced our first electric vehicle that will produce that will begin building for customers in 2026. Is that the first six wheel drive Hyper GT, or is that yeah. something well, else? You know, I, I think it is. I mean, there's been. You know, there was a, a Formula One car that had the trail, I believe, or Williams that had a had a F1 car years back um, that actually won a race. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think our car, Project Deep Space, is the world's first. We're, we're kind of, kind of debating internally: do we call it a hyper GT or is it like a hyper luxury car? I kind of I think it operates in the space. It is a great, it will be a grand touring car in terms of lots of room, comfort, and space for luggage and golf clubs, but also. Uh, extremely powerful and fun to drive. So with six six wheels and six electric motors with potentially 400 horsepower per motor, uh, um, yeah, I, I believe it will be a bit of a game changer when it comes out. The, uh, this isn't the a Terrell, four- by the way. I think the Terrell was the six-wheel F1 right. car from, from back in the day. And, and talk about the seating configuration on this is going to be unique, right? Because you're saying it's right. a GT car, but it's not quite the four-seater, right? Well, when, when, I've been wrestling with... How do we do electrification for, for 10 years before we did this? And I got with my designer a couple of years ago. I said, I got a couple of unique ideas where I think we could carve out our own niche in a very low volume, expensive, very cool electrified car. And the first angle was is having the center driving position with the two flanking seats, obviously, which Gordon Murray came out with in the McLaren F1 back in the 90s. And now you've got Speedtail and Murray's T50. But I thought, I don't want to do what other people have done. So we added, uh, we wanted to have like a diamond-shaped configuration where we have a fourth seat in the back. And I first joked with my designer that we would make that some sort of a mother-in-law seat and face it backwards. <laughs> and he said, no, let's make that into like a luxury Gulfstream jet 
lie flat zero gravity seat that's extremely comfortable and can can lie flat and so that's what we're doing how much easier you know you started in the early 90s or late 80s i guess early 90s anyone sure um and you know we sit here and we marvel at all these upstart companies especially electric now that there's so much variety you know, it always used to be kind of big three, and then there was the Japanese imports and Germans and stuff like that. But it was like they had the capability of manufacturing. You just couldn't do it on a kind of local, independent level. But with CNC and computers, and it just how much easier has it gotten for you to build a bespoke car, or was it just damn near impossible in the early or mid nineties versus kind of plausible now. Yeah, exactly. I think you hit on a good point, something I really haven't thought of before, but when we, when we did our Venom GT project 14 years ago, Katia was just kind of a thing. It was developed by the company that builds the Falcon jets, the saw it's a French company. And so Katia has been a very useful tool. So being able to model and design things in 3d and the computer and then as time has evolved, you got 3D printing. And now, I mean, it's just, it's incredible what, what smaller companies like our own are able to do. And I think it really allows our imagination to compete and exceed what some of the big boys are doing. And that really excites me. So, again, I think that that gives us and other companies a great opportunity, whether they're American or otherwise. And I think electrification furthers that creativity and kind of creates this Wild West. So, traditionally, if we've thought of cars as vehicles that typically move either two or four or six people in kind of rows of two where you've got four wheels and tires and a big lump of engine and transmission and driveline kind of in the center of the vehicle. Well, now with batteries being in kind of the floor and, and, and electric motors packaging so small, it gives us all this new real estate and architecture to work with. And that's part of what makes deep space. We couldn't deep space in a six wheel drive configuration could not exist only with electrification. And we felt like that was something important um, for us to, to note, and, uh, and it gave us the opportunity to, to design what we have. It kind of reminds me, I mean, I like cars, but I like beer. <laughs> and it's kind of following yeah. the same trajectory. There's you know, Budweiser and Coors and Miller for a million years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all these little upstart Absolutely. breweries started popping up yeah. everywhere. Yeah, they were and, 3D printing. <laughs> well, it, whatever it became easier to do on yeah. an independent level. And also, the more you get, the more you get. You know, the more people try the craft stuff, they want to open their own yeah. little microbrew or whatever. But now, as the consumer, it's awesome because you have everything. You have the legacy stuff, it's still there. If you want a Budweiser, perhaps you can, but you probably don't. You'd probably yeah, rather yeah. have a Hennessy. <laughs> or you know well, what I mean. Hey, yeah, I know. <laughs> John, how, how far along are you? I mean, we're, we're announcing this car, this concept. It's going to come out in, in a while. Uh, a big $3 million price tag. 2026 is, is, you know, a ways out. But how far along are you guys with the car in that? How are the motors and the battery going to be configured? It's well, six-wheel drive. The, the, all the fours have... Is, are we talking like little half shafts with electric motors in the middle or is there an electric motor on each wheel and the battery's going to go in between them all? Like just a little I mean, thought of underneath. Matt, sure, it's a great question. I mean, we're still highly focused on the Venom F5. I think I was with you guys about a year ago when we launched our first Venom F5. 
We just uh, delivered our our first customer car a couple weeks ago. We just delivered a customer car. The second customer car is at the Peterson Museum, which they launched their hypercar exhibit this Thursday. I'll actually be I'll be in LA tomorrow. If you guys are around and want to come by to the hypercar exhibit, I'll be there. Um, and so we're still very focused on F five, and we've got there's a lot of runway left there. There's a lot of exciting stuff that we're not talking about today that's behind the scenes that hopefully you'll have me back on the show sometime early next year to make some cool announcements. But so we're still very focused on that. And that's going to keep us busy, honestly, all the way through. We'll be building those cars through 2024 at, at a minimum, maybe 2025. And so but our design team is probably 90% done with their involvement. And so we were kind of this. The, so the Project Deep Space was an idea that I had rolling around in my brain for a long time. And when my head of design first moved to Houston, I just kind of want to describe it to him. And, he, and I just grabbed a bank statement off my wife's desk and, and a pen and, and he sketched it out. And so we kind of kept that on the back burner. But now that F5 is up and running and we're manufacturing about one vehicle per month and we'll continue to build those cars and build those cars to clients, um, I feel like it's important for our company and our DNA and our people and our customers just to continue to innovate. I mean, even though F5 has been very successful and we're sold out of all 24 cars, we're the kind of guys that don't rest on our laurels. We're always looking for the next mountain to climb. So to answer your question, uh, it's still very early. Uh, we're going to take our time. Uh, we, have, we already have orders for Deep Space, um, and we're going to work closely with our clients over the next 18 to 24 months to really get the interior, the seating positions, uh, the technology, really feel good about those type of things while simultaneously working with the engineering team separately. So a lot of those questions are yet to be answered. So I, I can't really get into the details. There are some specifics that, that I do know that, I, again, I'm not ready to share today. But again, 2026 seems like it's a long time out. But in the, in the, in the pandemic world and supply chain and what's going on and uncertainty as far as other countries outside the U.S. potentially closing down, I would rather say we're coming out in 2026 and hit that mark or maybe be a little bit early versus throw out a, an earlier date and then and then be later. And again, I think that's what everybody's seen, whether you're buying beer or building cars, everything takes longer now. And in the EV car market, because there's so much innovation, it's happening so fast. It's like in a blink of an eye, uh, technology's changing, solid state batteries. I mean, we just, you know, it just seemed like, a month ago, Lucid is saying, hey, we've got 520-mile range on the car. And then Mercedes announces a few days ago, they're debuting their Vision EQXX, I think it is, at CES in January. And they're saying it's a smaller, sleeker body style of a car. 621-mile range is what they're going wow. for on a pure EV. Which So we're already jumping to that. Uh, even even Fisker... Neil Wayne Gretzky saying... Uh, you don't skate to where the puck is. You skate to where it's going. Yeah. And again, where, where that target is moving to, especially in the electrification world, we don't know. But that was another driver for me on, again, I've been thinking about electrification for over 10 years. And I kept thinking that battery technology and range and battery costs and weight, especially the weight, were going to advance. I think that is coming. But again, I, I think to your point, we're going to see a tremendous amount of innovation over the next five years. How yeah. is it? Uh, here's a boring kind of non-car question but it popped in my head how is it finding skilled labor how you you run a company you're growing you're innovating at some point people got to put things together down <laughs> on that floor uh you know as we're getting more further away from that as a society i'm, I'm wondering are you able to find people with the skills to do That's that great, job great. 
Great question. So several, a number of answers come to mind. We started a trade school about a dozen years ago called Tuner School, tunerschool.com, where typically young people, but not always, mostly male, but not always. So we've had females come through the program. Enthusiasts come to a 14-week program, and it's like an apprenticeship program where they learn the basics of how to modify cars. I would say of our 64 employees, maybe a third have come out of there, and more than half of the technicians in our workshop that build our vehicles, including guys that are working on the F5 program and that will also work on Deep Space, have come out of there. Secondly, I had, a, I had an interesting conversation with Bruce Canepa a couple days ago, and uh, and he said he's having he's he's losing California is he's losing some good people because they're kind of tired of whatever's going on in California. Conversely, us in Texas. We've hired four high-level people, one guy from Canada, a couple from California. So three of the four people that we've hired, high-level, very talented folks in different areas of the business, have come here because they kind of like the whole not having to, the government tell them what to do every step of the way. So that's benefiting our company. But to your point, every business, especially in the automotive world, uh, is a challenge to, to attract and retain people. And culturally, uh, we try to do the best we can to take care of our people and and keep them there. And I think having exciting projects and a vision for the future, uh, our, our folks are very excited about being a part of that. And I think we'll attract some more talent as time goes on. Well, you know, it is interesting because if you're a car guy, if you like putting things together, if you work with your hands, California is a shit show. <laughs> it's the worst state and you can so live many, in. There's so many car collectors and enthusiasts out here too i I, I know it's just it's not a good environment for that mentality if you want to sit in a cubicle and do coding or something maybe but for the for just the mindset of the guy who wants to work with his hands texas is just such a better you're, you're you're probably emotionally much better suited for texas politically emotionally spiritually for texas if you think about just all the guys you know who turn the wrenches, who collect the cars, who are in that world, they all hate the government of California, right? I mean, it's tough to it's, right. it's tough to work your life, your career, and your passion, and then constantly have these forces outside, like the government, making you making your life difficult, making you feel shitty about what you're doing. It's just like it's right. constant pressure. To be like, we hate everything you do. I'm like, I'm just going to work, and I'm working on cars and doing or whatever. Well, and, you know, I always think it's funny that Shelby starts in Texas, comes to California to build cars, eventually gets driven out into Nevada. <laughs> You know, yeah. you can just kind of follow Shelby and go, that's how these states work. Uh, we're up against it uh, time-wise, John, but let me uh, let me uh, give your uh, business a plug. HennessyPerformance.com is where you go. Um, always interesting, interesting to see what uh, Hennessy's got coming out, and the future seems bright and innovative and really interesting. And it's it's nice to see a lot of guys who you would have thought were kind of internal combustion purists yeah possibly snobs a few years ago just go i'm all in on electric like whatever can get us from here to there quicker and more efficiently with more room and, and and like you said john opening this world of design up that you couldn't do with the tranny tunnel running we're not going anywhere we're not going anywhere in the internal combustion world, but we embrace electrification and we love both. Anything that goes fast, kicks ass, and is fun to drive, 
we're all in. John Hennessy, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Matt. See you guys soon. See you later, buddy. All right. Yeah, that's a cool piece. It's uh the it's, uh, and the Peterson doing the hypercar. Yeah. Wonder what other hypercars? I don't know what else they have Let's look up the Peterson uh, hypercar. I mean, we got to post some. Uh, might they have stuff from the '60s and '70s, or is it all just well, no, sort the of Peterson, modern I think, hyper? I think wherever they they feel like the hypercar, there's always history there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think the Peterson's first hypercar is? You know. Well, it's I mean, kind do of you funny go to because, Mura or do you go to like Countach? Well, you go to like Mura, Countach, but it was that supercar, but we didn't have the term hypercar back then. Yeah, EB112. Like oh, Bugatti. The, the Bugatti. Yeah, the Bugatti. That's yeah. another car people should Vector. keep their eye on. Vector, another good yeah. candidate. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Bugatti. With the, I mean, part of it's a look as well, you know. Yeah, the Bugatti with the four turbos, mm-hmm. it was also kind of a 90s car. The, I don't know where those cars are. I don't think they've fully popped yet. Yeah. It's kind of a cool piece. And then, like you're saying, the, where you start stretching the term, right, is Porsche 959. What is that? Yeah, it, it's, it's funny because it is technically, you know, one of the – maybe the highest performance car mm-hmm. of its era, but doesn't really fit the other hyper car. Mm-hmm. It's a little too subdued, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Chris, a I'll, I'll do a spot. You can, uh, <laughs> you can look up uh, the Peterson hypercar exhibit and see some of the offerings if they put it online. I'll tell you about uh, Live by Live. Did you know? All of Podcast One shows stream 24-7 at livebylive.com. And uh, you can also uh, pick up their app as well. Uh, with the Live by Live app, you'll get uh, podcasts, latest breaking news, best handcrafted music stations anywhere you go. Only three ninety nine a month, plus uh, live events, live streams, the biggest events on the planet. iHeartRadio's uh, Jingle Ball coming up uh, December 3rd, so you want to jump on that. Get it all, uh, and you can try it out seven days free. Just go to livebylive.com forward slash carcast. So they got the Bugatti Veyron I see up there. Um, yeah, it looks like Pagani. Uh, uh, Do they have photographs, uh, Max Pana? Yeah, maybe just click through the gallery and see if there's anything old. <laughs> yeah, the older... Well. <laughs> I mean the 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 um yeah the Veyron's getting a little long in the tooth in it in its own weird way but um yeah that I mean that's true yeah the the, the Veyron stated I I I mean these are all photos of pretty modern things out there maybe because a Ferrari I'm curious to know if FXX might be considered an interesting yeah, piece Yeah that was the first uh maybe McLaren. maybe the McLaren F1 from the from the 90s yeah, but, it says it's going to open in early December. I mean, that could be today, but mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah. So I don't know. If but you're right. There's a fine the line between exhibit. supercar and hypercar, and I think hypercar is a little more modern. I yeah, don't think the, you're going to get anything in the '90s. I think you're going to yeah. end up getting any stuff in the 2000s. All right, you can uh, see me and TJ Miller up at uh, the Brea Improv December 15th. We're taping some live shows, so if you want to be a part of that. Uh, the Warburton show is getting close to sold out, but uh, there's still some for uh, T.J. Miller. And then Helium, 
in Portland, December 22nd, 23rd, four shows over there. What do you got? I will be at uh, PRI uh, Friday, December oh, 10th right. at 10 a.m. doing a show there uh, in Indy. It should be fun. Mm-hmm. So, till next time, Adam Kroll for John Hennessy and Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. rockauto.com why spend 30 to 50 percent even a hundred percent more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have why spend so much there why not go to rockauto.com it's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers everything from Engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write Corolla in the How Did You Hear About Us? So that is Corolla, C-A-R-O-L-L-A, in the How Did You Hear About Us box. So they know we sent you an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com.